Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media, and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active and off-road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call off-road. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Have you seen Four Low Magazine yet? Four Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Four Low is the magazine for you. Four Low cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit fourlowmagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Chris Braz, president of Outlaw Desert Racing Series, and Drew Garcia, the vice president of the Outlaw Desert Racing Series. We're going to find out more about these guys and their 501c3 nonprofit and their adrenaline therapy program that they're doing with their off-road racing. But before we get into the racing, let's get into your guys' background. But thank you for coming on board. Thank you, Rich. Happy New Year, and we're uh, excited about this. Awesome. And Drew? Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Yeah, it's a great, it is New Year's Day for anybody that's uh, that's going to listen to this podcast, which I'm sure there's going to be plenty of you. So let's uh, let's jump right in. And uh, Chris, where were, you, uh, where were you born and raised? I was born in eastern Washington. And in 1980, we moved to Idaho to the family ranch and uh, grew up there a couple times back and forth to Washington to help my grandfather out uh, with the livestock auction yard that he built and uh, with his age and whatnot. But finalized high school and stuff in Washington or in Idaho State, excuse me, and uh, went to the military after that for seven and a half years and combat rescue helicopter crew chief. And the last year I was in, I was security forces, law enforcement. And, uh, that's about that for, for the, the first part of the first bump in the road in my life, I guess you'd say. Okay. And what part of Idaho is that? Uh, McCall, hundred miles North of Boise. Yep. Okay. Up in the, up in the mountains, um, 5,000 foot elevation, lots of snow. Um, year-round recreation, snowmobiling, skiing, hunting, hiking, fishing, camping, everything that you can think of. Uh, the valley that I lived in, it's Valley County actually is the name of the county. Uh, back then, they had eleven or 1,200 miles of groomed trail uh, in the wintertime for snowmobiling. So 
Yeah, I used to ride the snowmobile to school every once in a while. I mean, we lived 28 miles from from town and then moved closer, a little bit closer to town. Um, but it was uh, or 18 miles from town. Pardon, excuse me. But uh, yeah, there's a few times I rode the rode the snowmobile to school because if the the county plow couldn't keep up, that's the only time we got snow days. Right. <laughs> and uh, how about you, Drew? Well, uh, I was born in 1973. I'm 49 years old now, and I was born in Camp Lejeune in North Carolina on the military base. My dad was in the Marines, so I was a Marine brat uh, most of, you know, growing up till I was about 15. Um, Ended up in California, San Diego, where my dad was stationed there. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of some of my roots there. And then my family's from New Mexico, from Albuquerque and Clayton area. So I would go back and forth and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, pretty much my roots there. Grew up, went to high school, uh, played football, college football. And then I played semi-pro football for about seven years. So I was a defensive nose tackle. And during that time I was always into off-roading. So I was up at Apple Valley, California. So high desert was right there. Uh, Lucerne Valley, Barstow, Johnson Valley. So, um, I've been doing pre-runners and rock crawling since, you know, since I could, uh, ever remember and, you know, friends and neighbors had them. So it was just a dream that that's what I was going to do when I grew up. So yeah, those are my roots. And, uh, finally came back with the family back in Albuquerque, settled here. This is where I met my wife. I have two wonderful children and they're all grown up out of college now. So, you know, just work hard, play hard. Right. And um, so you you obviously were playing sports and stuff if you, you know, football and and into college and stuff and then semi-pro. Chris, did you, um, being that far out from school, was it harder to to be involved with sports? No, you know, football. um, I don't know if it was a bless or a curse, but being one of the biggest kids in the class, uh, you know, when, when, where I grew up was Little Town. You know, there was 3,500 people uh, year round that, you know, uh, permanent residents. And then it was a resort town. So like winter carnival last week of January, first week of February, there'd be a million people come through town. So um, the funny thing is I was talking to a buddy of mine about this the other day, actually, is, is elementary and high school was in McCall and middle school was in Donnelly, 11 miles south. So when when we ended sixth grade in McCall, the last couple of weeks, we all we had a, a field trip to the junior high and toured the school, met the teachers. And and I remember walking into Mr. King's class. He was the math teacher and also the football coach. And, and the first words out of his mouth was not, hey, Chris, nice to meet you. It was, hey, Chris, are you going to play football? Um, so. Of course, I played football and then got into wrestling when I was in high school and broke my wrist my uh, sophomore year in wrestling. I was the lightest heavyweight in the in the state. I would have to drink a gallon of water to make weight while everybody else is wearing their their rubber suits to sweat out and starving themselves and running laps before weigh ins. I was sitting in the corner eating and drinking to to make weight. But uh Ended up uh, kind of ending my sports career my junior year because of the wrist. 
but then went back to it my my senior year um because i broke my wrist at a, a regionals in wrestling i was i was wrestling first round i was wrestling the heaviest uh heavyweight in the state he was one of the guys running in a suit and trying to starve himself to make weight i ended up beating him but in the process i broke my right wrist um so it kind of screwed me up for my junior year of sports um after that it was military spent a year in korea uh, and then came back to or came to albuquerque at kirtland air force base and finished my military career there um they said you've got too many medical problems you need to uh see you later basically so 90 percent disabled from the va right now and uh after the military divorced moved back to idaho for a couple of years and got on a top fuel dragster team and uh running the country there and then you know running touring the country the northwest and stuff on the team building engines um i was top left side in charge of building all the cylinder heads between races getting everything prepped um and then moved back to albuquerque because i couldn't stand being away from my kids i got uh four kids three boys and a daughter and uh needed to be closer to them so literally sold my peterbilt and my trailer because i was ended up hauling cattle for my mom and dad for a couple years too and uh moved to albuquerque loaded up my chevy pickup in a u-haul trailer with no place to live and no job um got in the automotive business because i've been a mechanic all my life and then ended up starting my own shop um a few years ago and then sold it four years ago drew, drew came to me and said hey let's get the outlaw desert racing thing back alive because it uh kind of faded for a little bit right um so he's like let's do this so we're like okay let's go so i think that what what year was that drew um like 2013 or no yeah. 2000 2014 yeah because we we had the big cinco de baja in 2012 and rich you actually you and your wife came by in albuquerque to visit us to watch that race right we were down there with gomez's right yeah so yeah that's a while back yeah that was their first race Oh, wow. I think really? in um, 2000, gosh dang, it's already 2023. Time is just just cruising by. But anyway, we decided to uh, turn Outlaw Desert Racing into a nonprofit for military and first responder suicide prevention. And uh, when we when we kicked that off, we only had 425 people following the page on our Facebook page. And uh, just last yesterday morning, we are at eighty nine thousand. Wow, that's um, great growth. So over actually over the last three months, uh, two and a half to three months, uh, three months ago we were only at like ten thousand people, like ten thousand five hundred people, and we've grown seventy thousand people in three months. Um, so the growth has just been astronomical, and we're pretty blessed about that um we're actually starting to have companies contact us to help us out which is great so what do you attribute that growth to i know there's a lot of people out there who would love to see that kind of growth well 
you know, I think I stopped being a little bit political on my, my personal page because, <laughs> you know, I was, I was spending a lot of time in Facebook jail. So Drew was having to, you know, run the page on his own. And I was down for 30 days and it was just like, Oh my goodness. So now I just post about my dogs and the Can-Am build and my family and that's it. And we kind of figured out that making reels um, has been the ticket. And uh, I think that's, we've, we've got a video with Harley Lentner at the Parker 425 coming over a hill and almost taking out a media guy. The media guy was in the wrong spot of the queue. He was on an outside corner on the track. And uh, Harley almost took him out. But that video's got over 20 million views. Wow. Um, and that's, I think that was the kickoff. Um, I think it's 50 or 60,000 shares, um, something like that. It's just incredible. Um, so I think that's the, the video that really kicked things off for our growth. And we're like, hey, you know, if we start making more reels, um, I think that's the ticket. So then we started looking at uh, static posts like pictures or, uh, po- you know, sharing posts from other uh, racing organizations. And and we got very little uh, insights, you know, very little traffic on those, but we're getting astronomical traffic on the videos. So we're kind of just sticking with the videos. It's it's working, and uh, we just received a partial sponsorship from GoPro, so we were able to purchase some uh, some new equipment, which is great. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. And and how long are the reels that are, you're putting together? Uh, we're trying to make them over sixty seconds. Um, I think that's the key. A lot of we're getting a lot of traffic on the ones that are less than a minute. Um, but to to capitalize on all the stuff with Facebook uh, and Instagram, the sixty second plus videos are the, the are the the key key item. Shelly and I have been talking about doing more reels, and it's uh, it's not difficult. It's just more time consuming. But if you want to build it, it's what has to happen. Exactly, and it, and this is social media has is almost turned into a full-time job it's it's all it's mind-blowing the growth um at one point for 28 day uh stats we were reaching 24.5 million people in 28 days um you know it's the holiday season so we're down right now i think i look i look this i look every day uh to keep track of our stats and see where we're at but I think we're down to 17.2 or 17.3 million people still in 28 days. Um, so we're, we're, we're getting our reach out there and more and more and more people are knowing what we do um, with the media and the veteran support and the first responder support and providing pit support for a few race teams. Some of our sponsors actually race. So we, you know, do our best to try to afford to get to a race. Um, right now we're raising money to get to the mint in March and, uh, we're going to provide pit support for metal center. One of our sponsors here in town and they've got, uh, they run the unlimited class and side-by-side running a can-am. Um, and 
so we give rides and stuff at the pre-run if we can if it's allowed by the racing organization um but yeah we're we're growing and our our reach is getting out there we're actually global now we've got people following us literally all over the world saying hey we're from south africa or hey we're from europe or britain uh all over the world it's fantastic awesome yeah we got we got some uh you know, a lot of fans out there in Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Indonesia and stuff, and they love the Dakar stuff. So that's why right now we're, you know, trying to showcase some reels and stuff from uh, Dakar. They love the big trucks, and uh, so we're putting that on there. I also wanted to mention that, uh, you know, Outlaw Desert Racing, the direction we're going in, we're trying to support all race organizations. So, um, you know, like We Rock and uh you know uh, a lot of the local uh, motocross tracks to uh store southwest racing uh, uh southwest texas off-road racing association in texas and and all texas uh organizations and then all the rock crawling rock racing whatever we can cover you know we're trying to uh help share the love for that and then also like legacy best in the desert and then martelli's mint 400 you know, and then again, like Chris was saying, we're trying to support them and, you know, show up at those events and do media coverage on it. And I think that's what's also helping us explode. Yeah, I, I agree. The getting out there and, and being part of it instead of um, just running your, your own little show really helps. And and little, I don't mean that. I meant, you know, you're condensed in, in just worrying about that. Um, I think really does help with your reach. I know that you guys help, uh, the Borens, um, during the rock crawling season. And at least yes. Chris has been up to Farmington for the, for our rock crawls. Did you make it? Yeah, as that was, no, that was Drew that went, oh, okay. I was unable, I, I was unable to go. Um, so that's the good thing that the teamwork that Drew and I have created, we try to at least one of us go to an event, a local event to try to support, especially local stuff. Um, like the Moriarty motocross track, it's only about a 20, 25 minute drive for each one of us. So we're trying to, we're going to do some stuff with in 2023 with the, the motor local motocross track and, and the, they've got some veterans classes. So we go out there and support them and provide media for those guys. Um, like I said, we're going to go to the Mint. We actually got into drag racing. I'm on a uh, no prep big tire uh, team here out of, out of Corrales, New Mexico, a little suburb of, of Albuquerque. And uh, we've been traveling Texas and, and New Mexico. And, and we're, gonna, we're looking at doing some MPK stuff next year for next year. <laughs> 2023, we're going to be doing some MPK stuff. That's in the plans. So earlier this in 22, in March of 22, we had a race in Odessa at the, the Penwell Knights drag strip in Odessa. And we created a host of veteran challenge about a month and a half to two months before the race. And it went viral. Um, we had Matt uh, from uh, Total Seal Piston Rings uh, get on board. And they took two veterans, provided tickets, put them in the pits, Gave him the total hospitality, had him up there on the starting line with Matt's pro stock team. Um, we had a couple of top fuel teams that 
that were wanting to do it as well and, and plan on doing it in 23. We had 25 teams at the, the race in, in Odessa uh, have veterans on their team and treated them as if they were a team member, bought them their wristbands and had them right there on the starting line. And a few teams even had them working on the car uh, to turn the car around for the next round. So it was great. We had uh, Ray Abels out of uh, Eastern New Mexico. He he spent over $2,000 of his own money to Kate have a barbecue company out of Odessa come and cater for all of the veterans and all of the teams that were part of the challenge. Uh, so we got a lot of media on that as well. Um, the The veteran that was on our team um, he was pretty standoffish at first, you know, combat vet, saw some pretty nasty things over there in Iraq and Afghanistan area. And by the end of the day, he had a smile on his face that was from ear to ear. I don't think Chuck Norris could even kick the smile off this guy's face. <laughs> um, he was excited about it the next day for on Saturday, he came to the track and okay, guys, what do we got to do? And and we had to almost kind of slow him down. It's like, okay, Speedy, you know, we're going to take, we're going to take this thing one bite at a time, just like we did in the military, but we have a goal and that is to win each round and try to win the event. And uh, we ended up going out, but we took him to the start line um, to watch other races. And, and he was just ecstatic. And all of the veterans that were part of the challenge were, um, something that they've never experienced before at that, you know, you, it's different sitting in the stands than being a part of the team and right next to 4,000 horsepower, um, in a, in a no prep car under the blown, blown Hemi, um, doing a burnout and taking everybody's hats off their heads and throwing them in the stands from the exhaust and, and, and being right there versus being in the stands. It was fantastic. Well, that's cool. That's, that's, that's awesome. So when you guys did the started outlaw in, like you said, 2012 or thereabouts, um, was that, was that first race, the, that 250 that, that we showed up at, um, it was like the well, Lucupa Cabra or something like that. <laughs> Cinco de Baja. Oh, Cinco de Baja. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Ultra Four came out. Dave Cole, he had, uh, we had reached out to him and we we're like, hey, we're bringing in BRT. That was Baja Racing Texas at the time. And uh, they were coming down to Albuquerque. We were going to conjoin uh, organizations. And that's when we got a hold of Dave Cole. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to come. You know, we're looking for new places. So he came on down, checked it out. And uh, yeah, they had a good time. Um, so, you know, I hope uh, in the future we can do that again, maybe with you guys or, you know, with Dave Cole or somebody and uh, make that race happen again. But it goes back way farther than that. You know, we, uh, Outlaw Desert Racing has been around for like 25 years and uh, we were always racing based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico at the casino route 66 out there. And, uh, Back in the day, XRRA, Extreme Rock Racing Association, with Mike and Jody, uh, yep. Todd Wormkessel. Todd lives in Albuquerque, Rio Rancho. And we were, you know, doing the local racing, and he was all full-blown into the, the rock crawling and rock racing. And he had approached me and said, hey, Drew, um, you know, 
we should, you know, can join this. Let's get some rock racers out here. So we opened it up to them. And actually, I think it was 2010, 2009. I'm not sure when KOH started getting big. Um, the All the bu- the guys that had moon buggies or on air shocks or regular shocks, they started showing up at our races. Levi Shirley and his dad, they came all the way from Dodge City, Kansas, just to test. And then Lauren Healy was racing with us. He started with us in Albuquerque um, uh, when he started racing. And then, um, you know, Cotton Rod, uh, Randy Rod, excuse me, uh, at the time, you know, they were bringing all their cars down and uh, everybody started testing and started getting on the coilover. So I feel like Outlaw Desert Racing kind of contributed to, you know, the transformation of rock racing to this day. Um, but, uh, that was a great deal. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if you knew, I, I also worked for XRA back in the day. Uh, I was an announcer for them. I did the nationals in Jellicoe, Tennessee, and got to go to Colorado and got to go to some cool places also. So, um, that was pretty fun, but I brought all that back and tried to contribute it, you know, into outlaw desert racing at the time. And that's how it kind of molded. And we always had, you know, all the classes and it was always open to UTV, ATV, dirt bike, and then the trucks, buggies, and then the rock race class. So, yeah, it's it's came a long way. It's pretty cool. So the association or the racing series was going on before you got involved or? Yeah, I actually, uh, I've been with Outlaw Desert Racing uh for over 20 years yes okay cool rich rich back in the day a bunch of guys would go out in the desert and peel out money out of their wallet mark off a course and winner take all kind of like you know street racings go find a place and there's nothing really organized you know or televised or you know advertised or anything it was kind of hush hush let's go out in the desert and go win some money type deal and it evolved into what it is today, which is pretty pretty great to look back on the history. And Drew is one of the founding members, you know, over 20 years ago. And uh, we really would like to bring, you know, some, put on some races. But right now, it's, uh, you know, lately it's, it's it's difficult to find the land. That's That's our hurdle right now. So... If there's any landowners in New Mexico that are listening to this that wouldn't mind putting on a race, maybe we can get with We Rock and, and create kind of a mini KOH where it's bringing the desert, introducing the desert into rock crawling, kind of a genre race type deal. But we're needing some land to, to be able to put on a race for our stuff again. I, I understand that part. When we were doing the, the, um, dirt ride endurance racing, it got, the East Coast was actually easier because all they're all parks. And yeah. as long as you could, you know, find enough parks, it would go, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and put on a race. Um, we were great. And on the public lands of the West, the Western United States, it became much more difficult. Um, you know, one of the things that I always was really concerned about was, you know, keeping the the spectators safe and, you know, having an open area um, 
was always a challenge because you couldn't cover enough access points to keep intrusions from happening. You know, that, that exactly. the spectators getting on the course or crossing the course or people not even knowing there's a race, even though they've just driven past signs that say active race course, you know, ahead, do not enter. And people would still enter, um, you know, and then you always get the, the people that want to get selfies and get too close to the racetrack. And that was one of the things that really drove me nuts with it. And, you know, we, we stopped operation in 2009, excuse me, 2019. And, we looked brilliant for doing that because 20, we never would have been able to carry that many events. Um, we even had to cut the rock crawling series um, down because of uh, COVID. But the the racing became much more difficult trying to find property and dealing with the public agencies, you know, BLM, um, was was extremely difficult. Have you guys ever worked with uh, the Farmington office? Um, yes, um, we work closely with the New Mexico Game and Fish, Desi Ortiz. He's, uh, you know, he's great for us. Uh, we'll get into the land, you know, the OHV uh, grants that we've received from them to help the public. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that has definitely been a challenge for us uh, with the New Mexico Land Trust. Now, when we had all our previous races, we always had our right of entry with the New Mexico Land Trust. We had our insurance. Game and Fish would oversee us, police us, and everything was solid, good on safety, and every all our events were policed. Um, but since COVID happened, our New Mexico Land Trust commissioner wouldn't even have a meeting with us. They wouldn't sit down with us. They didn't want to discuss any recreation or motorsports, so that definitely hurt us and was a bad impact for New Mexico off-road recreation for off-road events. Now, if it was private, like you said, at the motorsports parks, then yeah, that absolutely. But you know, our format of racing—I mean, we need at least seven to thirty miles to have a race or more, and uh, that just was not doable. Um, the challenges that we did have—we uh, were racing on private ranches, but those those ranch owners were pressured by the state um, and they were getting worried, you know, letting us race on their land that it was going to come back on them. So that was definitely an issue. So we had to stop. Um, we haven't had a race in New Mexico the last two years, I believe, Chris. Yeah. In the last two years, I think 19, 19 or 20, 19 was our last, uh, the independence 243 down in the yeah, so uh, was our last race. Yeah, so you know, we had to think of, you know, outlaw desert racing can't stop, you know. We we're starting to build, we're moving in a great uh, position. So that's when, you know, Chris, we decided, you know, uh he's the president, I'm vice president. I didn't want to be president anymore cuz I did it, you know, for 20 years. Um, um he had a lot of great ideas and uh, he's a veteran. And I just love the idea of, you know, the veteran support and the first responder uh, support. And, you know, we had veterans around us. It was great. Um, you know, so we started going on UTV rides, off-road rides. I take my rock crawler. I, I've got a Jimmy's 4x4 rock crawler uh, from Randy Rod. Uh, also got a full-blown uh, pre-runner Ford Ranger with long travel. Also got a Bronco. So, and then Chris has a brand new Can-Am X3 full-blown 
uh, built up and we use that for the adrenaline therapy. So we just started giving rides and then we realized that, you know, this is the way to go. Let's, let's help support these guys and give them free rides. If they have PTSD or suicide issues, let's get them out there and at least have a day of comfort, you know, and let's feed them and feed their families. And, uh, you know, that it just, uh, it, it was awesome, you know, to see the reaction from everybody and the love and support. And, uh, so that's when the direction turned and, uh, we're like, Hey, let's also, you know, the racers, we can't have races here in New Mexico. So let's support them at other race organizations. If it's a veteran, he's trying to race and he needs pit support. Let's try to get there. So, um, and that's how it's evolved. And, and now we're also getting, you know, veterans and just regular guys, whoever wants to come help crew for these teams, that's what we're doing. We just had our last race in El Paso, and I think we crewed for like four teams. And uh, we had companies like uh, Desert Junkies, they came out, and, uh, you know, we we had, uh, um, there were some other ones, uh, you know, Red Tide Canopies and uh, uh, just a bunch of uh, other players that just came out and helped us with pit support, and it, it turned into be a great thing. So now, um, you know, we're getting ready for the Mint 400, Haskell Wright, and like you said, Herman Johnson uh, from Metal Center. Um, you know, we'll be crewing for those cars and, uh, you know, it, it's just a great thing. And so doing, um, you know, not doing the races over the last two years, I know a lot of that had to do with, with the government. Um, you know, they, they shut down pretty heavily, um, New Mexico it was probably one of the most shut down States. Yes, because mm-hmm. of the COVID, and and I can understand that, especially with the with the native, um, you know, uh, Americans that that are very prevalent in that area. Um, you know, they're a little more susceptible to uh, to the disease for some reason, and it it I know it became difficult because, like with us, the BLM just said, "No, the state says you can't, we can't do it, so we're not doing it," and. Are are you guys planning on getting back into the racing side of it, or are you going to keep it as, you know, the uh, the vet, you know a veteran, disabled veteran, and um, first responder support, you know, with the adrenaline therapy program? I think right now, uh, until we can find some land, we're going to continue with the the veteran and the first responder support. Um, that's our kind of our mainstay at this moment. Uh, we're we are working on on a, with a new team that's forming here in Albuquerque for a bigger class. Um, we had a first responder team, our team now, but we had a group of first responders go through our program, and we took them to the Mint 400 back in um, was it March or right before COVID. I mean, it was the the Mint and everything. COVID just exploded. Yeah, like um, the next Saturday, uh, Las Vegas was shut down. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> I knew that. We all we all left Vegas, and then a couple of days later, it was locked down. So these guys liked it so much that they ended up creating their own side by side team called Pratt Racing. And you know, some of the guys are in the Denver area. Um, Chad here is in in Albuquerque, Rio Rancho area. And uh, so we've been providing support for them. 
they were one of the teams that we did the support in El Paso. So they just they do the grassroots stuff, um, local races, uh, store down in El Paso, and they did do an Arizona race last year, I think, when things were you know clearing back up. But uh, we're gonna stick with the veteran and first responder and media and pit support. Um, until we can find some ground, one of our goals and it's been kind of a dream of ours is to be able to raise enough money to either buy the land or get a land grant and create an OHV park that we can have multitude of events uh, on our own and other organizations coming in and putting on events and and whatnot. That's kind of a dream of ours. Yeah, that's insured year round. So that that's our goal. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a great idea. I mean, eventually, yeah. eventually, I think that it's going to end up being that, you know, the West is going to have to follow the East Coast, and those private properties are going to, you know, are going to be the way to go. Because I I just have that feeling, um, watching you know how hard it is to to deal with the public agencies and how more and more areas are being shut down, whether it's regular established off-road areas and, and trails um, that all of a sudden the government says, you know, oh, we, we don't have the manpower to police those areas. We can't, we can't patrol them. We can't keep up, keep on them. And I know there's a lot of private organizations that are, um, you know, are clubs and places like Blue Ribbon and stuff that are, that are trying to keep those public lands open to the public for motorized recreation. But, you know, they're, it, it we're not gaining ground, you know. Um, every once in a while we get a win, but typically it's you know we're losing, we're losing to the environmentalists and to the and the government just doesn't want to go to, you know, go to court right. over things. Yeah, yeah, and then we do a lot of community outreach. Uh, we're heavily involved with New Mexico, you know. Like uh, when we rock comes to Farmington, you know, we try to be there for the Grand Nationals, um, in all the motocross areas, you know, we try to go to their big final state championships or their events to do media coverage. Um, and then also on the UTV side, you know, the UTVs are exploding. Um, they have the great place called Razorville out in Rio Rancho. It's a great destination for travelers to go and park their RVs and then go play in the Rio Porco where we race Cinco de Baja. Um, it's a beautiful area. If you've never been there before, um, and then, you know, working with uh, community outreach, uh, like I said earlier, uh, New Mexico Game and Fish. Uh, I don't know, Chris, you want to elaborate on that, but we got awarded a land or a grant for the OHV fund and we bought uh, trail trash bags from Champa. Andy made us some bags and uh, I think we bought $15,000 worth of uh, OHV trash bags, you know, to pack it in, pack it out. So and we give those away for free. And we were covering all events around New Mexico from motocross, ATVs, UTVs, all these off-road shows, car shows. You know, we set up our ODR booth and we give out those trash bags for their off-road units. So it's a pretty cool deal. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we gave, we gave away 1,250 bags if my memory serves correctly. Um, I think yeah. we only got maybe, I think we only have maybe two or three bags left. I think um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, and they and did a really good job making these bags for us. I mean, he put the lo our logo on it, and we worked with Big Kirk out of Gallup with Red Rock Motorsports. Uh, he was kind of in on it too, 
so we we had Andy put his logo on it and you know working with OHB New Mexico logo and it's kind of a Cordura uh, canvasy material with uh, metal eyelets so you can attach it to the chassis of the car uh, with the mesh bottom so if there's any liquids they drain with a Velcro uh, opening on top to hold your trash so if you're out in the tra trail you can pick up some trash along the way and help keep the off-road areas clean so we don't get the shutdowns because people are just using the desert to you know instead of paying the five or six dollar dump fee to go take their stuff legally they go out in the desert and trash it so we we've been involved for several years with you know cleaning up in the desert with Rio rancho and sandoval county um i think you know Fraserville. We all get together, and the county or the city provides a dumpster. I think one time we did over 60 tons of trash we picked up in a day. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're heavily involved with the community. We received a, another grant last year um, with a company out of, New, out of Santa Fe, and it was geared on outdoor recreation. So they came and spent two days with us with a film crew. Uh, shot quite a bit of video. They gave us uh, a couple of videos to use for our social media. And then part of the grant was also giving us some social media classes on different things that Facebook and Instagram uses and how to increase our reach. So I think that was one of the keys as well, why our growth has, has expanded uh, as fast as it did because about a month and a half to two months after the final class is when we started seeing the growth. And then we're involved with the Queen Creek side-by-side -side Christmas parade out of Queen Creek, Arizona in the Phoenix Valley. And the city um, mayor, the new mayor that takes office here in a couple of days, um, reached out and said that she wanted to give us a grant uh, for the parade next year. Uh, we've been involved with that for a couple of years and we, we gather items to mail overseas to the troops that are deployed um, for Christmas. So I think there was over a thousand UTVs for Christmas of 22. Um, I was actually at the parade and uh, for the Christmas of 21, and it was the biggest event I have ever been to. I mean, we just attended Sancho this last year in 22. It was probably the biggest trade show that we've ever been to. But as far as a, a local event, the side-by-side -side Christmas parade there in Queen Creek, I want to say there was upwards of 1,500 cars in 21. Uh, there was definitely well over 1,000 cars in 21. It was phenomenal. 27-mile loop through town, through neighborhoods. Everybody was all had their cars all lit up and playing Christmas music and all the the residents in the neighborhoods were camped out in their driveways with smudge pots going or barbecues going and waving and and huge community support and the line was so long from the school that we uh started from that when the guys that started the first group came back to the school there were still people leaving the school wow and the loop was 27 miles long Holy you know, so, I mean, obviously there's, there's, we got some, some gaps in some groups because of stoplights and stop signs and a few groups got lost. 
<laughs> Nick Macy, Nick Macy and, and Jen Macy there in Queen Creek who kick off the organization. They've been busting their tails. Um, for 22, they did a, the Blair's uh, mapping system uh, and mapped everything out so everybody can download the app, even if they didn't have a Polaris and follow the, the parade route. Um, so now we've got the city of Queen Creek involved in it and the police department helping us close some roads, at least one lane, you know, to keep things more organized. But it's hard to organize over a thousand cars. It's like herding cats. Absolutely. It's hard enough just doing 50 or 60 at a race. Right. Exactly. So what is, uh, that sounds like it's, that's going to be the future then is trying to find property and continuing the nonprofit um, and, and getting the, the veterans out there. Are you, are you going to expand out of, um, out of your, your home area and do more things like you do with Queen Creek? Almost definitely. You know, we, we're, we're pretty dedicated to the Southwest Texas off-road racing there in El Paso, uh, Luis and Chris Sines and Naum. Uh, we're, we're pretty gelled with those guys to help and support them. They do four races a year. So we try to attend every race, uh, cause it's only a four hour drive. Uh, the Phoenix Valley, we have a ton, ton of support in the Phoenix Valley. Um, matter of fact, quite a bit of our sponsors are from the Phoenix Valley. Um, so we're, we're going to try to get some best in the desert races in. Uh, definitely the mint. We're raising money now for the mint there um, and take a couple of veterans and first responders and put them on the pit crew. Um, one of our other goals is to you know, imagine like, you know, reliable car trailers, you know, reliable car transport trailers, right? Side trailer. We want to take and, and raise money to get one of those and convert the front half of the trailer into like a hospitality um, area and racing simulators. And uh, leave the lifts, the, the top deck lifts in the trailer so we can put uh, the, our pre-runners in, you know, Can-Am and the Ranger, and we can go to a VA hospital um, or an event and get people that are, you know, veterans and first responders that can't get into a race car because of a physical limitation. Like doctor says, no, you can't get in that race car and go 80 miles an hour across the desert. It's not going to happen. But they can sit in a simulator and enjoy some racing firsthand. Um, even we're going to have simulators that are hand controls for folks that are in chairs. Um, you know, we're looking at possibly getting actually a couple of Kenworths donated. 1957 Kenworths donated out of Idaho. Um, it's going to take, they're going to be a project, so we're going to need some help building them. But the plan is to have that and be able to go to, you know, techie contingency at the Mint and right there on Fremont Street and set the truck and trailer up and get folks in the trailer and, and hand out information on our, our adrenaline therapy program or go to a VA hospital and travel the whole Southwest or even further if we can afford it. So that's one another one of our dreams is to be able to travel the u.s and and go to different events and get the motorsports not just desert racing i know our name is outlaw desert racing but we're involved in motorsports the love of motorsports whether it's 
drag racing, desert racing, uh, motocross, uh, supercross, anything that's, you know, rock crawling, ultra four, rock bouncers, um, the, the thrill because, you know, you get behind a bunch of horsepower and do some pretty insane things from rock crawling to 100 mile an hour plus across the whoops and the trophy truck. Uh, it's an adrenaline rush. Absolutely. So, that's our key that's our goal or pretty much our our whole circumference is the adrenaline therapy no matter what motorsport um, we even we had during the host of veteran challenge we had an offshore race team out of florida want to get involved so you know it went from drag racing on the host of veteran challenge to the desert racing to offshore country music artists um are starting to bring veterans and stuff behind stage and give them you know backstage passes and the whole nine yards so we have a lot of support and and we're growing and and we get if we are able to raise the money to get our uh, goals met and and to be able to travel and and work with organizations to help like martelli's they've got a great deal with the mint 400 and with the veteran challenge uh, with the racing class veteran teams uh, part of the challenge and, and each team races to raise money to to help veterans, disabled vets. So have you, that's our goal is to work closer. Have you looked into doing anything with the Off-Road Motorsports Hall of Fame? Sir. You, no, we're not opposed we to that. I, I mean, I support it. I'm, you know, I'm always involved with it, but uh, no, we haven't spoke to them on anything yet. All right, Barbara Rainey, when you listen to this episode, you need to talk with Chris and Drew. And so I can, I, we can make that happen. That'd be great, Rich. Thank you for that. I, I just think it's really good because there's so many people involved with Ormhoff that are, of course, not only racers, but companies that support the racing, uh, media that supports the racing, and also a lot of veterans that are you know, involved in that as well, that, you know, could be a re- good resource for your 501c, um, but also um, help even get more of the word out. So I think that would be a good, uh, cr- a good, a good cross that, that, you know, getting you guys together. Yeah. And we're, we actually work with several other organizations like Battleborn Racing out of Texas, uh, Louisiana, Brian in Louisiana. Uh, they take vets and put them in a road racing course. Kara Barron, um, out of the Phoenix Valley, um, she's she's got a huge following on Instagram and TikTok, and she's an Air Force veteran in a wheelchair, and she's a racer. She does some. She's working with Fields Motorsports um, this next year, driving their car for the Best in the Desert series, and she's in a wheelchair, just like like Chris Blaze with uh, uh, Blaze Racing. And uh, racing services in California. Chris is known for Dakar and stuff before he had his accident. Now he's in the chair, and he is kicking tail in a side in a Can Am side by side with all these different races. And uh, Chris and Patty are wonderful. They're actually one of our sponsors for our Can Am build that we did. Excellent. Um, yeah, we, we, also, work, we also uh, McNeil Racing, McNeil AZ. Um, out of Mesa, Arizona. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the McNeils. Absolutely. Uh, they're all the way from uh, 
you know, Mexico, Arizona, California. Um, there's a bunch of family involved. God bless the McNeil family. Um, you know, they race the trophy trucks, class seven, TT spec. Um, they've been in desert racing all their lives. It's a family tradition. And when the McNeils race Parker, Arizona, we had the opportunity to have a veteran come out. Uh, we were just gonna have the family out. Um, the wife said he hadn't smiled in a long time and, and, uh, we, you know, Chris got a hold of him and said, Hey, come crew with us. Um, we're going to be doing the class seven unlimited, uh, race truck. And, uh, you're going to crew with us with McNeil and Jeep speed. And so he got to come out to the pits. And before we knew it, Aaron was in the truck co-driving for a lap and, uh, the McNeils, they put him in there. So they took that veteran for a ride in the race, the Parker 425. And I, I think it was one of the best experiences he ever had because, now he's happy. He went and bought a UTV. He's always involved now with off-road events. Uh, you know, they're having a good time. So, and then, you know, the McNeils, the TT spec, they even let me co-drive in the truck with Kelly McNeil and, uh, just a great family. So race teams like that are getting involved. We have Haskell Wright out of, uh, Edgewood, New Mexico. He's going to be racing a class 10, um, or it's a, yeah, I think it's class 10 or class 12. Uh, in the Mint 400, we'll be crewing for him, and uh, he'll also be having some co-drivers. So, yeah, I mean, there, a lot of things are just coming together. It's great. Excellent. So, wanted to go ahead to to, re, re, to rehash. Sorry to interrupt, but rehash on Aaron and uh, the Parker 425. Um, he didn't know he was going to get in, a, in the truck. So Kelly says, Hey, let's, let's pick the suit for you, the suit that fits and the helmet that fits. And he's looking at us. He's like, what's, what's going on? And we're like, you're going to get in the truck for a lap on the second lap. And like half an hour later, 45 minutes later, the the driver and, and you know, the crew, the, the race crew are walking back to the pits and I'm looking like what just happened? Well, a mile or two down the, it, after the first lap, after Aaron got in the truck, the, they blew up the motor and we're like, oh, I'm sorry it didn't last, you know. And he's like, no, you guys, you guys gave me an experience that because I knew this type of racing existed. But he goes, I didn't know it existed on this level. And he goes, I don't care if the motor blew up. This is the funnest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, so, you know, it, it happens. The attrition rate, as you well know, in this type of racing, whether it's rock crawling or desert racing, the attrition rate is just huge. So, but he had a, he had a last. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So anything else you guys got to want to cover that, that you're doing? Um, no, I mean, uh, I think, you know, unless Chris wants to mention anything, uh, you know, we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, we're coming on strong with the media. Um, you know, uh, GoPro has sponsored us and we have, uh, the new, uh, uh, the Max Pros, I believe. Is that what they're called, Chris? Yeah, the Max 360s and a bunch of mounts. We got we got a pretty good percentage off on our on our order. Um, so we ordered two Max 360 cams and a ton of accessories and some extra batteries. So we can toss a, a camera in a car during either the pre-run or a race and, and, and get some footage, in-car footage there and even when we're doing our weekend rides here locally and taking veterans, we can film it and they got some uh, memorabilia of their experience. Um, we're continuing forward and 
trying to, to raise money to keep doing things we're doing. And we want to, you know, one organization can't reach with like what we do when we're, we're face-to-face with the veterans. We can't be in everywhere across the United States at one time. So we want to team up with other or veteran organizations. So if we get a phone call from North Carolina, we can refer them to David Brunson, who works for CT Raceworks as a Marine veteran. said, hey, Dave, I got a veteran in your area that wants to go out for a ride. Can you assist us? And he's like, yes, I got it. And CT Raceworks steps up and they, they take the veterans for a ride. But any other veteran um, nonprofit organization across the United States, we want to team up so we can refer people that contact us. Um, you know, like Justin Youngman in Flagstaff, Arizona, he runs Change by Nature Outdoors. So if the individual wants to go hunting, Justin takes them hunting. So we refer a lot to Justin. Wicked Seven Outdoors in, in Texas is a hunting guide. They're one of our sponsors and they'll take a veteran hunting um so also all, not just motorsports even you know we want to team up it's it's anything to help veterans and first responders and work as a collective team to help instead of uh, it's like competition we don't want to be in competition with another nonprofit that's helping because we can further our reach and and help more people if we all just teamed up right okay and how do people get in touch with you to uh, to help you guys out? We've got our website, outlawdesertracing.com. Um, they can fill out the contact form there or reach out to us on Facebook. Um, Instagram is outlaw underscore desert underscore racing. Um, we just, I don't know why, but we started a TikTok. It's like we didn't need another social media platform to <laughs> to further our our daily uh, workload, but we did. Um, it's slowly growing the TikTok thing. We're still kind of learning that. It's, it's quite a bit different than the other platforms. Um, LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, um, we have a YouTube channel. That's We're still trying to figure that out, and we're getting better as we learn video editing. And now that we've got some good equipment from GoPro, we can provide some better better quality videos versus just the phones but um, there's several ways the social media the website um and and our phone numbers are listed on the website and facebook page um so we're we're looking forward to 23 and and what we can do and and further our reach excellent excellent well guys i want to say thank you for uh for kicking off the new years with us and that's 2023 um, I don't know where you're at, but right now we finally got sun after a lot of days of raining. We've gotten like 16 or 17 inches of rain over the last, oh, wow. the last three days here in Northern California. Holy smokes. Yeah. All sorts of flooding and stuff around Placerville and Eldorado Hills, um, wow. and th- this area. So we're, uh, we're drying out today, which is good. Um, hopefully you guys are, are going to have a great outstanding 2023 and, uh, Wish you guys all the luck, and if there's anything that we can do, um, me or Shelly, to help you further your guys' cause, please get in touch with us and let us know. Wow, thank you very much. And uh, I just wanted to say, uh, last but least, uh, 
you know, I want to thank all the outlaw volunteers over the years that always helped us and come out to our events. And, you know, they, they always come, they always want to help us with the veterans and first responders, um, all the shows we put on, you know, just the generosity that people come out. I just want to say thank you. And, uh, and also the originators of uh, Outlaw Desert Racing, Kevin Barton, uh, he was part of the original Outlaw Desert Racing James Gang back in the day. And um, that's how he brought that over Outlaw Desert Racing. And uh, it's just stuck ever since. And um, him and Ted Gilbert, Troy Gilbert, uh, Bill Delaney, all those guys, uh, they're the originals that helped create this. And uh, paved the path for us. So thank you very much to all of them. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much. And uh, here's to a great 2023. Sure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message and let me know uh, any ideas that you have or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.